Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast. My name is Zach, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Sam and my good friend Andres. Guys, finally we get a Chelsea win. Um, how do you feel? <laughs> I mean, granted it was against the shit side, but Sam, I guess I'll start with you. What are your initial? What's your initial feeling right now? You feeling a little more optimistic than last week after that uh that depressing episode? Well, first of all, I'd like to point out uh, you messed up the intro, Zach. Ah, uh, you know you we messed... are the podcast that talks Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, they we do. That's oh, Chelsea. That's the team. About everyone else, yeah. Chelsea, yeah. that's the team that we talk about normally. But uh... in case in case you guys didn't know, this is a Chelsea podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, how can I not be thrilled? I mean, what uh, what an encouraging performance against a side like more came and more cam more class. Top, 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 a top quality opposition. So, I mean, it's. I said last week, what if we play like a strong lineup and we end up losing or looking like shit? That would have been the worst possible thing for our confidence. But, you know, we didn't look like world beaters. But, I mean, obviously, we were by far the more dominant team. So, it doesn't really doesn't say anything about our season or this current team. What, what did you think, Andres? nothing <laughs> i literally came out of this game and didn't think anything different so we, we didn't really learn yeah too much. No, there's nothing that oh changed. i did i learned i learned something keppa oh, yeah? is capable of keeping a clean sheet there i didn't think barely, that was possible barely yeah he almost let that uh that one shot go in i, I mean it was like a shot from the wide looked like it was I don't know if that was supposed to be a cross or. It was a or... cross. It was a cross. But it was I like was a perfectly for technology to just like fuck us over. <laughs> that was and that was uh, Kepa's hundredth second... cap too for the club. So that, that would have been... been another fifteen million off his transfer fee, whatever future <laughs> transfer fee. That yeah, probably so would have dropped his it. transfer fee to fifteen million total if he let that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, everyone everyone can have a good match every once in a while, um, but. Let's go through the rest of the lineup. So obviously Keppa and goal. Back line of Emerson, Rudiger, Zuma, and Dave. Uh, midfield of Mason Mount, Billy Goat, and Kai Havertz. And a front three of Cho, Timo, and Ziesch. So we started off uh, in a 4-3-3. So uh, Kai Havertz not playing in his natural 10 role uh, to start. But uh, I think we did make some shifts moving on. Um, it was it was you know a professional performance by the Blues. Eighty four percent possession, twenty five shots, <laughs> eight on target. That part uh, is a little eye you know catches your eye a bit. Seven big chances, leading to four goals. Uh, Eight hundred twenty seven passes compared to more cams. Uh, more cams. Uh, One hundred fifty four total, uh, and ninety percent pass accuracy. So yeah, I mean it's it's. Nothing shocking, nothing surprising, to be honest. But it's it's a positive result, and that's just something that we haven't had in a while. And I can't take that for granted. It's uh, it was nice, Zach. I I, I really liked what uh what Cho did uh this past weekend. What did you think of Cho's performance? Um, I mean, obviously it's a man of the match type performance. I mean, it's not saying much for a match like this where, you know, it wasn't really competitive for the last 20 to 25 minutes, but granted, I mean, he could only 
play whoever's in front of you. And the last couple matches we've seen Cho um, make an appearance, we've we've seen him make a pretty good impression on the game. Our last league match, he got a scored a really good goal at the end. Granted, it might have been too little, too late. Some sort of impact gets a start today, or today or yesterday, um, and obviously makes a, a you know a pretty big impact in that game too. I think. I mean, this is a this is a shout here. I know it's 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 all over Chelsea Twitter. People want Cho to to start, but I mean, I, I can't really think of a reason for him not to at this point. Um, just based on just based on his recent performances, and you know, I I think there is a little bit of a tone shift in terms of the way he's speaking as well. I mean, he had an interview uh, earlier this week where he directly addressed his injury and said, you know, like. I, I'm back. I feel much better than I than I was before, and I'm I'm eager to prove my point. You know, it's just a matter of me getting getting the time. But until then, I'm going to keep working hard. Something along those lines, and it's very different from the rhetoric that we heard a year ago, um, or a year and a half and or, or a year and a half ago, um, when you know there was a Bayern transfer rumors. I can't even talk right now. But um, yeah, I mean, this is definitely encouraging and, and, and some somebody I definitely want to see more of moving forward um, in terms of our front three I think I think enough is enough in, in, in terms of trying to rotate Cho into the in, in terms of trying to fit Cho into the lineup when Frank can I think Cho's done more than enough to kind of earn a spot in a rotation moving forward and Andreas is that is that going to be like a frequent uh, starting 11 role you think for Cho or do you think it's going to be more like coming on as a sub and the occasional start? I mean, we got we, we got a question on Twitter from at Black Emoji. Uh, he said, it's great to see the team can still win. If Callum's performance doesn't result in a starting role in league league games, we need to open an inquiry. Uh, <laughs> what what did you what did you think? What do you think about that that thought? No, I I completely agree at this point. I think we've had a, a season's worth of players specifically Cho who have proven that when they get minutes they're they're going to perform for us and I can't think of a single bad Cho performance dating back to maybe November I think on form he's maybe second only to Zuma in terms of consistency this season yep and unfortunately unfortunately I don't think that he is going to get a start because Lampard rested Pulisic today and or not today during this match and then Ziyech grew into the match meaning he's got some confidence going into the next one so he's in my head I think Lampard's going to continue to kind of turn his head to Hudson-Odoi even though that I think he truly deserves to start opposite of uh, Pulisic going into the Fulham match I think that he played in both wings this weekend and he looked equally confident in both sides I think that he's added to his game a little bit. You know, two seasons ago, all he would do is put his head down and try to dribble past people with speed. I think he's added a little bit more to to his game than that. And I think that while other players may get stuck in instruction and, and what's expected, I think that he's one of those players, much like Pulisic, that will push the envelope and try to create something if nothing is happening. So... I think he deserves a start. I think his performances have spoken for him, but it was a it was a deliberate move to rest Pulisic, which makes me think that Pulisic and Ziyech will start a, ahead of him next week, un, unfortunately and undeservingly as well. And it's such a shame. Like, we have these issues at 
the winger position where if we feel like we have three wingers who should be starting every week and in the striker position where we have three strikers who we feel like should be starting every week and yet still we uh, struggle to put together like a, any any decent looking performance uh, unless we're playing against a League 2 team or a League 1 team. Um, well, doesn't I? Sorry to cut you off, some, but but I feel like that kind of goes down to consistency um, in terms of selection on Frank's part. I think I think that's something that he hasn't really identified too well this season. Um, when a, when a player is hot, you got to keep playing him week in and week out. Um, and, and I think that's that's something that would be hugely missed. It would be a it would be a big missed opportunity on Frank's part if he didn't take this chance to kind of let Cho, you know, keep going until he burns out all his gas, basically, right? Until he goes cold. We had the same conversation about Olivier Giroud earlier in the season when he got going um, after his Champions League, what, what was it, like the four goals in the Champions League. And we said, like, you know, Frank doesn't have a choice now. He has to play Ollie because every single time he plays, he scores. It's very much the same with Cho. Although we're not getting the goals every single time he goes out there, we're getting the performances. So, you know, I, if I'm Cho, I would be pissed if, if I don't get more playing time based on what I've done so far. But at the same time, um, I, I, I would also be mad if, you know, Cho continues this run of form and guys like Pulisic and Ziyech continue to get injured and immediately get inserted into the starting lineup right away. Like, I think Frank, especially this season, we're starting to see that he has loyalties towards certain players. We saw that with Ziyech when he came back from injury, Pulisic as well. I think that's what Andres was alluding to. I just really hope that it doesn't interfere with Cho getting his chance here because, you know, that's that could be the end of it. I mean, we, we're already two seasons in with with hearing transfer speculation. There's There's interest all over Europe for him. He's not a dumb guy. He knows he could pretty much take his pick and go anywhere he wants if he doesn't get playing time here. So, you know, I, I think I think it's now or never in terms of getting Cho his minutes and giving him a fair run out, um, at, at least until he burns out or loses his form. But with Frank, I think another problem that goes into it is trying to get players back into form uh, because obviously I think we'd all agree that Pulisic is probably one of the most important players uh, on our team because he's one of the few guys who can create chances for himself, uh, you know, on just on the wide side of the pitch. And, you know, he's definitely our most one of our most creative players. And he's only scored one goal this whole season. Um, he really needs to get going. That's something that we haven't talked. I know he's only played like seven, eight matches, but still, uh, he's only scored one goal. And he's a guy, you know, we talked a lot about Timo and Kai, you know, not – be, be, you know, and their cold, their cold streak. Good for them for finally getting on the goal sheet, uh, and you know, a goal for each of them, and you know, one of them, Kai Havertz, assisted the goal for Timo, so that was nice to see. But I'm still, I'm still wanting to see Pulisic, like, get it going. Like he's he's a he's the guy, the next guy who needs to see the ball hit the back of the net and get his confidence going because. Uh, if he continues to play the way he's playing, it's it's you know it, it's it's really it's going to be really dangerous for, I mean, a, any chance we have of scoring honestly at this point. Like I I don't see anyone else like creating chances for us. 
Well, chose the only other player, and Andres kind of touched upon it, that has that ability to sort of take initiative when nothing's happening. Like, fuck you, I'm going to try and dribble through the whole team and score on my own. Yeah. But, like, I'm going to do it. Mason Mount tries, but he, he has that. He has that. Often. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but you do, in a way, you do want your attackers to sort of have that maverick mentality. Like, you want them to, you want them to think that they're going to be able to beat any defender that's standing in front of them, but... Andres, yeah, I'm not I'm calling curious. it a problem. I, I'm just saying I, I, I would, I, I want to see him get going. Like the the form that he ended last season with has not carried over whatsoever uh, to I'm this cu- season. I'm curious to see what Andres thinks because, like, w- w- listen, we we are a Chelsea po- uh, a Chelsea podcast that's based in the United States, so we're gonna have some <laughs> certain biases and loyalties towards Christian Pulisic, right? But in this case, Andres, we've seen him come on and and. He's had spurts and moments where he looks like he's trying to make things happen and, and you know, we're just kind of running on steam at the moment with him. Well, the way I mean, Cho is playing, I mean, do, do we really sit Cho back down on the bench? And, and, and no, we shouldn't. Back yeah, in? The, the answer is we shouldn't. Yeah. But again, if, if, if Pulisic is an American, I don't think we have this conversation. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. I mean, he's... He's not scoring, but it, like Sam says, at least it looks like like in in games where we look bad, at least it still looks like he's trying to do something. And honestly, I think that Sam's right. He bangs one goal in, and the goals will start coming. I think that Pulisic's had a, a frustrating second half of the year because he he got his break because the pandemic stopped the league, and he was able to get healthy, get back on his feet, and he killed it at the end of the season. Then the season started back up, and then injuries crept up again. So. Even with all this, this talk about him being back, he hasn't really been back consistently. And then when he has been consistently healthy, the team's not performing around him either. So it's kind of, you know, just bad luck on his end. I, I think it's it's just bad timing for him to get healthy again when the team was, you know, firing in all cylinders. We had Werner at the left wing because Pulisic wasn't available. And, and now... You're right. Hudson-Odoi deserves to start. And Ziyech did get an assist. So you think, oh, these guys got, you know, Ziyech got most of the game. Cho got most of the game as well. I Actually, he finished the game. Or no, he didn't. He had a late sub. But mm-hmm. the point is, you probably think that these guys are match fit. You know, they did fine. They looked good. And you can always replace Ziyech with 30 minutes left, bring Pulisic on, put Pulisic on the left, moves Cho to the right, and, and you're still dynamic. Mm-hmm. A team like Fulham, you can give Cho this chance. Like, it, it's not risky to do that, technically speaking, because, you know, we're supposed to beat a, a team battling relegation. I think Cho deserves to start. And and it, it, against a team like Fulham, maybe you do give Ziyech the start over Pulisic just to get him back to game speed. Pulisic's there already. Um, and again, he- if one of them... Like is Pulisic at game speed? That's what, that's what we were just talking about. He's not. He's yeah, like, he, can la- he can last ninety minutes. The point is right now, Ziyech is literally yeah. just back. Oh, you're talking about fitness. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, fitness. Yeah. I meant match fitness. Yeah, my bad. Not, that... not technically IQ and game speed. Just <laughs> match yeah. fitness wise. Okay. Ziyech's last game before this was against City, and that game was over before it started. So mm. uh, he's had one good game to to really try his fitness out. So yeah, I mean, it's not the worst thought to put Pulisic on the bench one more game. I don't, I don't know. It like, see, like I mentioned earlier, 
the Germans with their much needed confidence boost. Uh, Timo and Kai, it's I'm I'm interested to see what that does for them. Uh, yeah, and I, I think th- the, the the big difference. So I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Is that Polisic has already proven he can do it here. So I I sure. don't think he needs the goal as badly as both Timo and Kai did. Right. No, that that's that's a that's a very fair point. Like these are guys coming into a new team, new role, new new league, um, and all the question marks that <laughs> you know that were brought upon them since the moment they came over. Uh, it's rough. It, it must be really tough for them to you know keep their head in the right headspace. But um, hopefully this works out. I don't think. Uh, I mean, it would be nice to see Kai Havertz get the start against Fulham just because it is an easier matchup for us. But if we were going to be playing against, uh, you know, like a form- more formidable side, I wouldn't. I still wouldn't be comfortable seeing Kai Havertz start because, I don't know, I think with Timo, him getting one goal could really get him going. But with Kai Havertz, it's not, it's not the goal scoring that we really need from him at the moment. It's just like the overall confidence. And, you know, I, I, I still he need, think he needs a lot more work with that. Uh, I mean, and another German who made the start, Antonio Rudiger, he had a pretty good good match as well. Clean sheet, 95% pass accuracy. Uh, I mean, it was really night and day Rudiger last year versus this year. Um, and it's just really... It's still tough, this whole Tomori situation. This would have been, I mean, just like a no-brainer decision to start him. Well, uh, he, well there he is an update the on that Tomori situation, isn't there? Yeah, um, I mean, I did see the AC Milan report. Is that what you're referring to? Well, well, Rudiger was actually selected in the match uh, ahead of Tomori because um, Tomori had a loan offer like on the table that he and the club were supposedly keen on. So that's the story behind that. And I think that's why Rudiger was the one that got the minutes instead of Tomori. Um, but yeah. I mean, he still came in late. Uh, so, he, mm-hmm. so it's not like he's completely out of the equation, but I don't know. It, it, for me, if anything, this, this performance by Rudiger gave me a little bit more confidence of him being our third center back for the time being. Uh, you know, so this whole fear of never seeing uh, Tomori play another match for Chelsea again uh, is is eased a little bit with how Rudiger has looked in his, his limited performances this year. I mean, what do you, what do you think, Andres? Yeah, I, I think, I mean... I hope, first off, that the reason this whole Tomori thing has happened is that Lampard and the board told him, hey, for your for your best interest, you got to go on loan. He refused multiple loan deals going into the season, and Lampard and the board probably said, okay, well, you know what our plan is. <laughs> it's on you to to deal with the consequence of staying, maybe. And, and now the story that keeps floating around, like Zach said, is that while some players are getting the chance to, to show their value and get shopped out, the rumors are that Tomori has plenty of, of interest in camps. And, and League Gun, for some reason, is the league that keeps getting tossed around that likes Tomori and, and has potential loan destinations. Then 
today or, or yesterday. I can't remember when, which of the two. AC Milan is interested on Tomori as a backup plan if they can't sign uh, a center back of interest. So I hope that that's the truth and, and the truth of the matter here is that this season Lampard had to prioritize results over the growth of a player and and they thought, okay, then the best thing to do for this guy is to go on loan, get his minutes, and come back next season when Tiago's a year older and kind of can't do as much on a consistent basis. So that's what I'm telling myself. I'm going to continue to tell myself to kind of keep myself from getting really sad about the potential of Tomori leaving for good. And, yeah, until proven otherwise, I'm going to tell myself that that's why we haven't seen Tomori at all because we rather keep him healthy for a loan than play him against more cam, which is an easy dub in, in on paper and risk the guy, you know, knock on wood, having a severe injury. What do you think, Zach? Yeah. I also heard um, that Christensen's knee injury is pretty bad. So that's a, that's a reason why Tamori might be inclined to stay and possibly fight for a spot because he can, might be able to get some of Christensen's minutes. But to be honest, there wasn't many minutes for Christensen to be given in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think a loan moves on the cards for him. I think that'll be his best bet. But, you know, Frank did say that, you know, their relationship was still strong. I mean, th- th- there, there was no break there. He said his attitude and training is still good. He doesn't seem deterred or, or, or um, his head doesn't seem to be turned one way or another. You, the, you really take that focused, at face so. value, Zach? I, I, listen, what he says in his press conferences, I don't believe it. I, I, just, Frank, he's trying to save face. I haven't heard him say a bad thing about any player. Look, we, we have no indication here that his attitude has been shitty. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm listening. I'm I'm, I'm trusting what Frank is saying. I don't know. I haven't it just, seen anything it, to point out otherwise. It just seems impossible. I mean, for a guy that Spent time with him at uh, at Derby, and that was his number one center back at the time. He has that reputation or that relationship with Frank already. He got a, he was you know in favor as well last season before the injury, and for some reason he's not getting any playtime this season. Like just as a human being, Zach, like I I don't know how anyone <laughs> can be cool with that situation. Like in all honesty, like if if he is, then he's a saint. I mean. Which is possible. Which is possible. Pretty... I'm not gonna rule it out. Like, he could be a mm-hmm. saint, a god, whatever you want. Where do you want to put on it? But I don't know. For me, I I can't see any situation where Tomori is happy, or you know, maybe he trains with with a positive attitude. Whatever, you know, that that's just he's a professional at the end of the day. But I mean, there's no way he's not complaining, talking to Frank, talking to the board. I mean, it, it 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 just he just has to. It it really, it it. There, I don't know if there's a Chelsea fan out there that isn't doesn't upset have, with how little he's played yeah. this year, right? Like, yeah, it, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to anyone but Frank. Or you know, there I has to be seen, more. I haven't seen anything to show me that he shouldn't be our number. That he shouldn't be fighting for our number three position. Maybe not the number three, but at least fighting for it. Right, and, and he's not even given the chance. So. Whatever. Let's talk about Hakeem Ziyech a little bit. Back in action. Uh, Not the best first half. Uh, Towards the end, he started to pick it up a little bit. But he did finish with an assist. 
six out of nine dribbles completed. Nice. Uh, five key passes, four out of ten crosses, three out of four long balls. Um, you know, I not, I think probably one in four. Well, yeah, I guess a four out of ten around that. One in four ball balls that he made was a quality ball. The rest were just, uh, you know, it, it was giving up the possession. But I, I like, I, I said earlier that. Pulisic is the only one really creating chances. I, I was I misspoke. I mean, Ziyech is definitely the one creating the most chances, and I'm not opposed to it. You know, I, I'll, I'll take the one in four balls uh, because we don't really have anyone else uh, on the pitch besides. I mean, Cho was has greatly improved his playmaking from last season, but Ziyech is the only one out there who can really do something. Billy Gilmore looked okay. Uh, at that role, but still, still has a lot to learn. I mean, Andreas, what do you think of Ziyech's, uh performance? I mean, it, the the reason why we got him is obvious, and, and the reason maybe why our downturn um, in performance was so severe and so obvious is, is the fact that he wasn't there. Right? Yes, for the most part in this match, we were still just crossing and praying which was frustrating, but that final chip ball to, to Cho to get Cho his goal, he's the only guy that's looking for that pass and is even seeing the runner. So while while the best comparison I have is that Ziyech is kind of like a air raid offense college quarterback, you know, who gets a chance to do what he does 56 times a game, at least – it, it seems to pay off, right? It, while it's a, a lot of numbers of, of a lot of passing attempts, a lot of risky passes, at least he's the only one looking for it. He's the only one looking for them and maybe the only one that can actually achieve those in our current setup. So the one thing that I guess I can quote unquote complain about is that I wish he would stay a little bit wider. Um, he does drift centrally a lot. And unless the other players are ready to adjust around there, it just can congest certain areas on the pitch and, and maybe better teams, no offense to more cam can defend two, three players with less players, meaning counterattacks can, can happen from there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've, we've missed Diaz a lot. And, and now again, it's, it's up to Frank to figure out how to get all these guys to, to work together so that the second half of Ziyech's game can be a full 90 minute performance consistently. Zach. Yeah, I, with Ziyech, I'm, I wasn't as frustrated with the quote-unquote like spamming crosses that that we saw because I think Ziyech is, you know, again in and out of the team throughout the season with injuries. Um, Frank throws him right back in, and he started off really poorly. Um, but obviously, once he got into the flow, you you got an idea, and he started to see um, some of the things that he does really well now. That's just the type of player Ziyech is, in case Chelsea fans didn't know. So if they're getting frustrated at that, they're going to be getting frustrated at a lot more as they continue to watch him. Because like Andres said, he's a very high output player. Um, he's going to put a lot of crosses and balls into the box. He's going to make, he's going to, he's basically going to put the ball anywhere that makes the defense uncomfortable at any given moment, whether that's you know in behind the two center backs or in between the keeper and the penalty area. 
um, you know, either way, he's going to try and find a way to make an impact in that sense. Now, um, I'm trying to look here in my match notes. Um, I noticed, I, I did notice that he was actually at his best when he wasn't sticking exclusively out wide because he wasn't as predictable. And, and I get the frustration, Andres, that he, you know, when he does come inside, he, it does get congested because I noticed Kai Havertz was playing on the inside. Werner would drop off occasionally. You know, for some reason, Emerson kept coming onto the inside, which I thought was weird. Yeah, I noticed that too. It was very weird. He, he, he got in front of Kai Havertz a few times, but beside the point, we got a lot of players that are coming into the inside. But something I saw with Ziyech was when he drops deep, it creates something completely different that we haven't had since Cesc Fabregas was here. That, that, that clipped floater over the top like we saw with Cho's goal. So I think Frank should try to find ways to maybe exploit that a little bit more and and find ways to get Ziyech maybe not necessarily in more central areas of the pitch, but maybe in deeper areas, um, maybe collecting the ball a little bit deeper or maybe dropping into the midfield um, th- th- to pick out some passes. I think that will be will definitely be really well served doing that, especially if we can it, – it, it, it's just kind of weird how, how we haven't used that yet in terms of Ziyech drops off, collect the ball in the midfield, pick your head up over the top to Werner. We just haven't seen that once this season. And I feel like when we bought these guys, it seemed like that was exactly what we were trying to do. Um, so hopefully we could see some more of it. It was it, it was a good performance. Obviously he grew into it. And, you know, it's, it's going to create another selection headache for Frank because he has this shiny 30-some million pound signing there. You know, you got Pulisic who... <laughs> He obviously loves very much. And then Cho, who's earning playing time as well. I mean, he has a selection headache. So interested to see what he does. But, I mean, I, I think it's pretty clear that he's most likely going to go with Pulisic and Ziyech again. Um, so, yeah. But but I will say one thing that does frustrate me with Ziyech, um, and it's the fact that he doesn't use his right foot whatsoever. Like, I, I, I really appreciate that his left foot is a fucking wand. But at the same time, Every time he collects the ball, it's he's putting it onto his left foot, and it just gets really predictable. So maybe yeah, that's what definitely. gets him into those sticky situations. Maybe it's not a matter of him congesting the middle of the pitch. Maybe it's just a matter of him not willing to, to, to jink to his right whatsoever. Yeah, and, and I'm sure the whole scouting report on him is to just <laughs> don't let him get it to his left. Uh, that's, I mean, over time, teams are going to adapt to it and not – allow him to make those balls but i'm not worried i'm not worried about uh Ziyech's ability to adapt because he you know he of course his his left foot is his his favorite but i've seen him make balls with his right foot so uh he, he's not afraid to do it um let's talk about some other notable performances uh birthday boy mason mount with a goal i'd like to see him take more of those shots because i mean I, he does and, but for some reason, like he always takes it with his left foot, and I've say this, it's like a it's like a running joke with me at this point. How often I mention how bad Mason Mason Mount is with his left, but I really don't know why he doesn't take more shots. Like from 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 the spot bad that he with his left, yeah, with his left foot. He, he Zach is he bad? Is he bad with his left, or are we just noticing yes. him give the yeah. ball away? When he no, uses every his left. every no, time he goes for goal, like when he goes for goal in the box. Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay, when he okay. goes I for goal, 
No, when he's taking a shot, going for goal, if he shoots it with his mm-hmm. left, that's ending in a 12th, 13th stand. But, like, from that spot, he he can take more chances uh, with his right foot. And I think he does, but um, I think that's where a majority of his goals can really come from, outside the box. Like, just test the keeper a little bit, you know? I, 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 don't, I don't think... You know, we, we get off a lot of shots, but they're not on target. Like the, the keeper isn't getting tested at all. So, I don't know. I'd like to see that more from Mason Mount moving forward. What do you, what do you think, Andres? Yeah, it's one of his best traits. I mean, we won a game. Oh, my goodness. I want to say it was the beginning of the United FA Cup match started because Mason Mount took a shot from deep. Today's match got unlocked because Mason Mount took a shot from deep. I think he, recently at least, he's gotten caught up farther on the left side. I I think he gets maybe too close to where Pulisic and Chilwell like to operate. And and it'd be nice for him to to let them have that space. He doesn't have to be there making five-yard passes. But kind of try to stay, you know, as the ball approaches that final third make himself more available between, you know, in that space between the the last, the wider line of the 18-yard box and the post rather than be wider of the 18-yard box. And and again, I don't know if that's because players are just taking instruction that way versus how they were instructed to perform this way, but I haven't seen Mason Mount receive a pass in the space that he did when he took a shot in a long time. So it's good to see him try to stay a little bit more central because that is where he's going to be most dangerous and where he got most of his goals last season. I think that's a really dangerous position for Mason Mount to just kind of sit in when we're in possession uh, that deep into the attacking third because you you can't leave him open. Um, if the ball gets shifted onto his right foot, it's game over for the goalkeeper with the quality he has. So um, I'd like to see a little bit more uh, from him in terms of getting into that position and maybe looking for his shot more because there are some, you know, like you guys are talking about how, how he's terrible at finishing with his left, but there are some things that he's really good at just like those shots. When he shifts the ball onto his right foot, picks his head up and then he can, he can essentially pick out any corner um, whether it be top or bottom with multiple techniques as well. Um, He knows a bunch of different ways to hit the ball too. So, if he can find himself in those positions more, it could definitely be uh, uh, a line of attack for us. But I also think another player who who should find himself in those positions also could be Kai Havertz. Um, you know, if Frank does wanna, if Frank does have this vision of him being a number eight and not a number ten, then that means Kai is gonna find himself in those positions occasionally. And you know, if he does, I'd like to see him again, just like um, Mason Mount did there shift the ball onto your strong foot and have a pop at goal and, and, and just test the goalkeeper. Good things happen. So, um, you know, overall on, on the day, it was a good performance for Mason Mount. I think it was a really important one for him too, because he was getting to the point where one, he just looked absolutely exhausted, but two, he looked like he was out of ideas. Um, that tends to happen when you're, when you're physically fatigued, um, the mental fatigue also tends to kick in too. So, you know, he did look rejuvenated. That's a plus. Um, and, and, I mean, I think that's 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 Frank's first name on the team sheet going into Fulham, but that's not really saying much because it's Frank's first name on the team sheet going into any match, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, Mason Mount is uh, his favorite child for sure. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about 
my favorite child, Billy the Goat Gilmore. Uh, nice to see him get the start. Uh, but I, I, but I don't. Before I get into it, I want to hear what you guys thought of his performance, Zach. What, what did you think of how Billy Gilmore played? Very. Billy is one of those players that it's just a joy to watch. He looks like. You know, you hear pundits and, 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 and all these analysts and experts talk about, you know, all of the footballing greats in terms of how, how beautiful they are to watch. Like they're when they dribble or when they receive the ball, like you can just tell that they're oozing class. Billy Gilmore has that. Um, and it's and, and it's no exaggeration. Um, I think he looked comfortable in this game. Obviously, there's no reason for him not to. But I think we saw a little bit of more of his range of passing. Uh, one of the passes in particular that I absolutely loved was, again, another pass that we really only saw uh, Seth Fabregas play, but where he'd collect the ball from one of the center backs and pick his head up and then play sort of like this clipped dipping ball um, out to one of the flanks, just kind of clips it over the midfield or whoever that uh, outside winger is into that space. And he did that a couple of times in this match to kind of um, to, to, to relieve to one relieve pressure when they were pressing us. Um, you know, only in about the first five or ten minutes before they decided that it was a terrible idea. Um, but but you know, there's a lot of things on the pitch that that he just does so well in terms of you know the positions that he's also taking up. Um, he keeps things organized. Our team shape is is pretty stable, um, especially when he's playing as a, as a lone midfielder there also. Um, but one thing that I'm noticing that we get with him that we don't necessarily get with a guy like N'Golo Conte there, and a huge criticism of him, is the distribution aspect. Um, you know, granted, Morkem is not the highest quality opposition. It is nice to see uh, a number six that's just a, that little bit more active in terms of trying to recycle possession. Um, when it does filter through the center backs and the defense. So that was a positive for me. But again, um, you know, you can only play who, whoever's in front of you. But moving forward, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this straight up, and I'm sorry, Ron, if you're listening, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see Jorginho anymore at this point. I, I, if, we're gonna go, if we're going to go, if we're going to opt to see, if, we're, if, if Frank's going to opt to go with a, a certain type of player in a certain type of match, um, you know, Billy Gilmore and Jorginho essentially – fulfill the same purpose and Billy Gilmore is that much more mobile he's that much more defensively aware he has a little bit of bite in his game um and 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 I think you know he looks more dangerous in the attack as well so I mean yeah I I I don't want to see Jorginho anymore after this I think I think that's curtains for him um so hopefully you're not alone Zach you're not alone I I don't know uh if Frank feels the same way but us and Frank seem to disagree on a lot of things. What what did you think, Andreas? I think Billy Gilmore at the six just brings a whole different dimension to what that position can do for us. Uh, I can't think of the last time that Jorginho or even Conte created an actual key pass from that deep. Also, the biggest difference, I think, is that out of the 95 passes that Billy Gilmore had 67 were to the opposition's half. And I feel Jorginho and Conte much more recycle possession sideways or even backwards while Jorginho, or not Jorginho, excuse me, Gilmore kind of keeps his eyes forward, always looking for to progress the ball up the pitch. 
Now, I agree with Zach. I, I don't think it's it's something that's a, a hot take for this podcast to think that Gilmore deserves more minutes. Uh, I think he's got his confidence. I don't think that kid ever lost it. And I would like to see him start against Fulham. Again, why not? I don't think more Cam is enough of a test. I don't think Conte's had a, a good run of games, and maybe he's more. I believe Conte's suspended, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, yeah, he is for I one think, match. I think so too. Accumulated yellows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think Billy I think Billy should be the one to get the start. Yeah, I would should be all be, for it. Should be is a whole should... different uh, conversation <laughs> than what. Yeah. Like I, I think start Jorginho. Watch. Yeah, the one thing that Billy Gilmore provides that. I don't think any other of our eights can is the ability to play the long ball. I'm sorry. Any of our mm-hmm. sixes can is the ability to play the long ball. Uh, he, he was so accurate. Almost, let me see what his numbers were actually. Oh yeah. Look, he was nine or eight of nine long balls uh, completed. So, you know, like his ability to make that, he, he's still got to work on his short, his short game. If, if that's the correct term, but his ability to play the long ball and start uh, start an attack from the midfield and just get it up down the the channels, I think that was uh, something that we missed a lot from either N'Golo Conte or Jorginho playing there. Because with, with Conte, he'll he'll try it every once in a while, but it's it's not very accurate. Jorginho, don't even think about it. I mean that that's that's a disposition waiting to happen, but. Um, I don't know. I I'm, I think that's a that's very likely, honestly, in my opinion, that he will start against Fulham. Uh, one because of how we played against Morecam. Morecam. It's so confusing with the e at the end, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> just also because of N'Golo Conte uh, having to sit out a match. Uh, I will be absolutely devastated if we see Jorginho back there, but um. I still have hope. I still have hope. Uh, let's get into our Twitter questions. <laughs> this one is a is a pretty uh, it's like a philosophical question. Uh, <laughs> I don't, this one's also from Black Emoji. Uh, he asks, if Lampard is the author, what is the story, Andreas? Oh. <laughs> What's the story? Okay, so I need to paint a mental picture. Okay. For this to make sense. So last season, whenever we didn't have the new shiny toys, Lampard would adapt and try some things, right? But now he got his treasure chest. And there's a scene in Talladega Nights where Will Ferrell's looking at his hands. He's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I think we have kind of that sort of situation here, but it's yeah. I don't know what to do with all this quality. And that's the title to Frank Lampard's story. Damn. Wait, so what's what's the official title? It's uh the, the I don't top. know what to do with the with this quality. <laughs> this okay. is this is for those of you that don't know, every time we we actually sign off and we're done recording, <laughs> I ask these guys to give me their ideas for titles. And I always immediately regret it for the reason we just heard. Um Andres is not the greatest <laughs> title maker. Um, in the world. He's the brains behind the operation. He's but the brains, be- not the not the creative side. The but not the face, I yeah. guess you could say. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes any sense. 
Um, no, but I, this is an interesting question because it just kind of makes you think, like, at least for me, I, I'm thinking, well, well, what's the ending? What's ultimately going to be Frank's reason for being here and, and, and the reason for us bringing Frank in? Um, and for some reason, you know, after the events of last week and how traumatic that experience was in recording that podcast, um, I do think that the story, at least right now, is the transition. We're always talking about that transition from, you know, the philosophy in terms of the types of managers we bring in, the types of fo- the type of football we play. Um, now we're playing something a little bit more appealing to the eye, something a little bit more attacking. I should be bringing more goals. Um, we're bringing in younger players. We're bringing through the youth. So I think that is is more the story than anything. Not necessarily the fact that Frank is not winning titles right now. Okay, and what's the what is the actual title? Uh, <laughs> we got the ending. We got the story. What's the title? You did get the ending. Oh wait, no, he asked. He asked. Too much time oh, giving me crap. Oh wait, the question is, what is the story? I I I'm sorry. I, think I, that I, is I thought story, it was. Yeah. I thought it was. What is the 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 title? <laughs> I, I totally read that quest, question wrong. I'm sorry, Andreas. That's why I asked you. Wait, what was your official title? But <laughs> just, I just, just totally set you up. Yeah, nice. I was thinking of a title this whole time. So, I mean, I think the story is more of Frank Lampard, Chelsea legend, uh, beloved by all fans, turning into the enemy of of, of the fan base. Uh, everyone wanting his head on a stick. Uh, so I think that is the story. So like something like either, uh, like hero to zero legend to peasant. I don't know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I, I have think. another one. I have another one. So it's more like if it's a story, the story is Lampard, the, the player established legend Lampard, the manager to be determined. Is it the, is it to be determined or has it been? I'm just kidding. <laughs> is it gonna be one of those books with like with like a really like really long design to fit the long title? No, that's that's a tagline. You know, like when you see a movie, it's, it's like, the intercom uh, movie preview. I see, I see, I see. It's like, not like a like, it's not like a Borat type title. Like the movie tag that came out a couple of years ago, the, the tagline like who's it? But yeah. the movie's called Tag the Movie. Yeah, I see. Interesting, interesting. All right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, this one's from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Supreme. He asks, who starts, Cho or Pulisic? Wow, okay, so we talked about this a little bit earlier, but we never gave a definitive answer. Do you go with the hot hand or the hot foot, or do you go with uh, the glory and Pulisic, uh, Andres? Who do you start? Cho. Just just because of his form? Yeah, and it's Fulham. So yeah, Cho. Okay. Zach. Cho. I'm yeah. gonna go Cho, yeah. Yeah, I, I would be I would be okay seeing Full of Six at another match. Uh if Frank and... learns from his mistakes, he plays Cho. You gotta play you, you gotta play the players that are in form. I mean, otherwise, sorry, I'm gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent here. What's the point of having a good uh, uh, of having a deep squad if you're not going to utilize it in that way to your advantage? Right? 
you have a deep squad for two reasons. One, because you're in a lot of competitions and you need the rotation. And two, because you have if, – if, if you're sitting on all that quality and you have one player that's outperforming another one, you ride it out. And then when that player starts blowing cold, you cycle the other one in. And then, when I, and then it's just it's just like a revolving cycle, and they all hold each other accountable for their performances. So now I think we're getting to the point where all three of them are starting to perform at some sort of, you know, uh, competitive level to where they're actually competing for time against each other. And now Frank has to reward the guys who are actually producing. I think that's just basically what it comes down to. Well, yeah, I still love Pulisic. I still I'm mm-hmm. I'm staring at his jersey right now. It's hanging on the back of my door. I never right. take it down. My sweater right now is a Pulisic number 22 sweater, so nice. I feel that too. I might be a little bit biased, but I think I'm with you, Cho, with the start. Yeah. Um, he also asked, Ron, uh, we saw a 4-4-2 formation at the end there. If we go with that, who plays up front? Um, I think at this point, I think, I think Olivier Giroud and... Timo Werner, if we're talking about strikers playing up top, but I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing Pulisic play as one of the the two forwards in a four four two. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Sort of playing like off of the striker, sort, sort of yeah. floating in and around. I mean, yeah. that, that 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 would be also the the same role that Timo Werner would be playing alongside uh, alongside uh, Giroud if they were going to run a two striker formation. Well, anybody that's watched Leipzig or, or, or just German soccer in the last few years would argue that that's actually Werner's best position is playing off of a main striker, whether that be on the left or the right. Exactly. Um, so that might be something to look forward to, but I'm actually going to argue your point about um, uh, Werner and Giroud being the best option. I actually think Werner and Tammy will be the best option. I think based on the sample size we've seen um, of them playing with each other, they have a pretty good connection um in terms of playing style and 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 i don't think that's a coincidence either i think tammy stylistically is is a little bit more um i wouldn't say comparable but i would say it's i think it's easier for Werner to adapt to a player like tammy because he's so similar to what schick and polson offered because they were pretty athletic more so polson um but 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 they had that blend of just you know just sheer size and, and, and the ability to win the ball in the air, but also mobility. Um, so yeah, I, I think that'll be that'll be the ideal um, strike partnership up top. And then obviously you'd probably have Pulisic and Cho, or Pulisic and Ziyech, or Cho and Ziyech, or any variation of that. Um, the, the the comparison length. of Tammy and Paulson, like I think Tammy would needs to develop in a lot of aspects in order to play that role. Um, and that's something, and I think that at this at this current time, Giroud has that skill set to play as the main striker, and with having another striker playing off him, um, being do we wall. think Tammy's improved in that respect though? I mean, based on I what we've seen this season, his hold up play has been a lot better. I mean, there's been it's some there's been matches still... where we've come on and recorded and talked about Tammy's hold up play specifically. Sure, it's so... it's improved. I'm still uh, I don't know. I, I if we're picking between the two, Andreas, what do you think? Uh, I'd probably lean not not because of what Zach said, but I'd probably go Tammy and Werner just because I, I mentioned it a couple of times earlier this past month that I feel that the team performs better as a team when it's not Giroud. Like Giroud is going to score if you put crosses in the box, but the team as a unit looks better 
with a more dynamic forward. So I would probably choose Tammy to partner up with Timo because then we won't be just so um, not one dimensional, but less predictable if it's Tammy up front alongside Timo, because Tammy can either be sort of a human wall pass for Timo, or he can get in behind the defense himself. All right, let's move on. Uh, One last question from Ron. He says, would an FA cup be a great consolidation prize if we don't make top four uh granted we should have beat arsenal <laughs> hashtag rep ultras um for sure if you if we fit i always say the fa cup doesn't matter unless chelsea wins it that's the only time it matters <laughs> if it does you, if, if chelsea does win it that's 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 silverware right there it's the most important is that an american do you guys think that's an american thing like not really caring so much about the domestic cups as much as as much as like for example like because i don't think it's i don't think it's far-fetched to say that you know the, the the average fan in the uk looks at the fa cup in a much different light than the average fan in the united states I'm yeah, a we don't have anything comparable. I actually think I think the FA Cup is I hold it in really high regard. I think it's I think it's awesome if we win it. It's more it's more to discredit it. It's to discredit whoever wins it. It has nothing to do with whether I think it's prestigious or not. It's just me being a, a like a shithead fan, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the main <laughs> reason. But yeah, yeah we don't have anything this... comparable in America. Uh, like you know, you think of the Premier League winners that's like any team that wins their their league championship but there's no like alternative domestic cup but the nba has discussed possibly bringing something like that uh taking that'd be cool yeah Yeah. borrowing from uh european football so but I, I, it's, it's more i i think it is prestigious of course but the nba should adopt arsenal yeah I think the NBA should adopt the NBA should adopt like the loaning, like the like the whole idea of, of purchasing and loaning players to other leagues and bringing them back and I like that. Have them play in cool. Europe for a couple of years. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. that be awesome? Like, how many times? How many times do? And this is so off topic. I know it's a Chelsea <laughs> podcast. We're how many times We're do the great NBA okay. teams? How many times do NBA teams draft decent NBA players? And then trade them thinking they're flops. And then two teams later, that player turns out to be awesome, like Jeremy Grant, for mm. example. I don't know. It's not an NBA podcast, though. But yeah. We have American listeners, Zach. It's not like people don't know anything about <laughs> basketball. It's okay. And for my other American listeners, I'm really upset about Ohio State losing uh, against Alabama right now. So Is that why you have such a dulcet tone right now? Me? I have a dulcet tone. Oh, you don't want it. You don't, you want to hear dulcet? I'll I'll show you dulcet, dude. <laughs> I actually don't even know what that word means. So, just it's just. <laughs> I could I can guess I can I can uh, guess by context. Uh, pull up the official. I'll I'll pull up the official. Uh, dorset the official like definition. like Philip Dorset. <laughs> wow, we're we're getting this this we've already we've hit three different sports. That's crazy. Um, while you're looking that say, up. What? I guess I'll answer the question now. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we didn't ask Andreas. It means <laughs> yeah. pleasant for those of you that are wondering. Oh yeah, wait. Then maybe use that word wrong. Okay, Andreas. No, I no. didn't. I was I was being facetious. 
Go. No, I know facetious means. Andreas, you can you can, you can uh, answer. Please. Okay. Um, it would be a great consolidation prize if we also don't get top six because it would mean that we get to go to the Europa League. But we don't want to think about that, do we? I'm just, I was just putting it out there. <laughs> that is yeah, the worry now, top. though, Zach. That's for sure the it worry right worry. now. Oh, so, yeah. that's why I said it. I'd rather get top four. Yeah. Don't ever confuse the two. I'd rather right. get top four. This next question's from Kirill's. Uh, I forget what his actual Medvedev. Yeah, Kirill's med- underscore Medvedev. He asks, what are your thoughts on Kai and Mason playing together? Um, Kai's game improved when Mason left the pitch. Is that a coincidence? Zach, was that a coincidence or what? I didn't really notice that. I just thought it was more a matter of Kai getting into the rhythm and just kind of feeling out the game and picking his spots. It it, it doesn't. It, I don't think it takes a genius to watch that game and see that the, for the first maybe half an hour, Chelsea never really got out of second gear. Um, so yeah, I think it's more a matter of Kai Havertz just kind of growing into the game and and uh, and pulling up and, and and pulling off a performance as opposed to him playing better when Mason went off the pitch. Uh, I don't know if it's about them not working well together. I think it's more, they do like to take up the same spaces. I mean, we both, you know, Mason played as a 10 primarily last season until project restart. And then Kai Havertz is a 10. So maybe Kai just felt that he wasn't going to run into the same space as Mason was when we switched over a four, four, two, and maybe the, the dynamic change, maybe in that four four two, um, he was told to be the offensive center mid out of the two center mids that were on the pitch. So I don't know if it's a Mason Mount thing. Again, I think it's more of an instruction thing. So I don't think it's a Mason versus Kai problem. I think it's what's being asked of the players. All right, let's look ahead uh, to this Fulham matchup. So just to set the table, um, Fulham last week or two weeks ago had a match postponed due to uh, a COVID outbreak. Um, they just played uh, on Saturday uh, against QPR, a full 120 minute match and found out afterwards that the match was going to be uh, rescheduled for this upcoming Tuesday or Wednesday. So Scott Parker didn't really go into that match knowing that he would have to play another match in a couple of days. So right there, he probably would have changed his lineup a little bit. Um, So because of that, they also postponed our match against them from Friday to Saturday. So Fulham is coming off. It's going to be completely gassed by the time they, uh, they, uh, Hobble up to Stanford Bridge. The, the, where is this? Is the match uh, at home? No, it's or? at Cottage. It's at the Cottage. Okay. I thought, I thought it was. I thought. Cottage. I thought they were. I thought their game got postponed because of COVID. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, of a COVID outbreak. Said. But oh, it, yeah. But they rescheduled it. So now it's it it's it's going to be either tomorrow Mid-week. or Wednesday. It's yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. So then they're gonna have. In, Instead of us playing on Friday, they gave them an extra day of rest and rescheduled our match with them for Saturday. So they're going to be playing Spurs tomorrow. Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're yeah. playing. 
they're playing Spurs on Wednesday. So they're it's going to be it, it's a very rough week for them. Obviously, you know, it was caused by their own uh, mishaps, I guess. You know, at, at this point you don't it's hard to like put any blame on people. You can be as careful as possible and still and still get it, but um it's it's good news for us, of course. Uh, this is the first time we play them since they got promoted again, correct? Yes. Yeah, so um, nice to bring that rivalry, ba rivalry back. Right now they're sitting uh, 18th in the Premier League, just uh, on top of that relegation zone with two games in hand right now. Um, so they are looking to get points out of their next two matches for sure. Um, but it'll be tough, obviously, with Spurs and then us within four days. Um, what what do you expect to see from Frank as far as you know, knowing that you're playing against a side like Fulham that is a not a not uh, exactly the top <laughs> quality team at the moment. I hope uh, my our friend Amir is not listening. I didn't want to say anything too bad about Fulham, um, and B they're probably going to be exhausted. So, uh, Andreas, what do you think? How do you think that affects uh, Frank's decision as far as who to play? Uh, we, um, well, we have a full week's rest. So, technically, anybody that played against Morecambe should be fit and ready to go for this match as well. Um, if anything, it gives him an extra match to scout Fulham. So Fulham faces Spurs midweek. We don't have a match, so maybe keep a closer eye to what they do in that match to to maybe change up our tactics a little bit because what we've been complaining about is that he has his way and his way is the only way. So maybe, you know, watching what Spurs does to either, you know, tear apart Fulham or perhaps it's the other way around. Maybe he checks what Fulham is good and not good at on their game. Not so much with what Spurs does to, to maybe decide maybe this is the match to change a formation or, or the way the players move within the pitch, or maybe this is the match that you give, you know, Mason Mount a shot at the double pivot for 90 minutes. And, and that's what I'm kind of hoping Lampard will do rather than just, you know, four, three, three, and it's copy paste to our tactics for the past month and a half. Um, so that's kind of what I'm hoping and looking forward to for this weekend. Yeah, much of the same. I think um, I think it sucks that Fulham has to has to be basically forced into that situation. I think that's that's a pretty tough deck to be dealt with. Um, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. Um, I mean, going up against Tottenham and then us in the span of 48 hours isn't fun for anybody. So. You know, just just considering that Cho does need to get the start, um, I, I think it's a good match to kind of keep his run of form going. And, you know, with that being said, Conte is also out. So, you know, we spoke about Billy Gilmore coming in. Um, that has to be a given as well. Um, I, for me, those are probably the two most important inclusions, I think, um, just because it's it, it's going to send a message to the rest of the team that, you know, if you come in and you perform, you'll you'll keep your spot in the lineup. Um, I think Frank has given a lot of time um, and has had a lot of patience uh, with some of our higher-profile players. Um, 
And I think that needs to stop. I think it just needs to be a more matter of playing the guys that are in form and writing that out. So, um, you know, just kind of feeling out the squad there. Um, that's what I'd like to see. I want to see a 4-2-3-1. Um, without Conte, I think that's probably what we'll go with. So I'll say 4-2-3-1. Um, the same starting midfield that started at the weekend. Um, I'd like to see Cho on one side. Um, probably Ziyech or Pulisic on the other. Um, and, and see, this is the tough part, because Brenner did score against Morecambe, but he didn't really do much besides score. He didn't do shit besides score. So, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go Tammy. You know, just let's get the full squad rotation going. And Fulham doesn't have a back line anyway. So, you know, th- this could be a really good game for, for our strikers to sort of feast. And Tammy's been one of those strikers that when given opportunity, he feasts. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to go 3-1 Chelsea. That's my prediction. Man, it's, it's a, this whole cancellation of games – uh, because of of COVID is such a mess right now, you know. With uh, with the Euros coming up this summer, uh, you know they already had to reschedule it once. I doubt they're gonna be able to reschedule it again, um, and you know that just means that we got to complete our season before the Euros. So uh, you know they, they, we don't we're, we don't have the situation where teams I mean teams can make up matches at the end of the season. They have to be, you know, they have to make it up before the end of the season. Um, so that that's going to be really tricky, especially for these lower table teams that are fighting relegation. Um, that's rough for them. And it sucks for us fans because it really messes up our perception of the table with like, <laughs> you know, so many ta- with so many teams with a game or two in hand. Like it's hard to really get a grasp of how the table is going to look like once everyone is caught up. You know, like right now we're sitting in ninth with 26 points, but above us there's one, two, three, four, five teams that have at least one game in hand. Um, so, like that ninth spot looks a lot worse than what it actually is. Like you know, we're three spots out of top, three points Who out of top thought? four, but yeah, it's it's just it. I don't know. It's a mess. But back to my <laughs> prediction. Uh, I'm not going to do 2-2 anymore, and I'm, I'm I'm sure you guys all think that I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw, which is actually my last... Well, I can go to 0-0, um, 0-0 draw. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'm going to start off. I'm going to do it. 1-1 draw. It'll be a hard-fought battle. Both sides uh, really goals. gave it their all. Not No, not that many goals will be scored, actually. Just one apiece. But it was a hard fought. It will be a hard fought battle. I don't I want, know. I, I want to amend. I want to amend my my prediction. I said three one. I'm feeling a three nil. I think this is a. I think this is a good time where we get another clean sheet. And to be honest, I think we we bang in more than three goals. We we have no idea what kind of Fulham side they're gonna put out uh, for that match. Like, I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll be resting his starters against uh, against Tottenham since that's so soon after the the QPR matchup, but who knows? Andreas, what do you think? 3-0 as well. I think you're right. I think we should be banging in more goals, but I think we're still a few steps back of that sort of level of confidence. So I'm going to say 3-0. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. I think that's a fair prediction. I mean, with that being said, um, <laughs> that does kind of bring us to the end of this week's podcast. It's been crazy. And by the way, Sam, I know we forgot to kind of mention it before the podcast, but congratulations, man. For those oh, of yeah. you that Ooh. don't know, Sam <laughs> did pass the bar exam. Um, I was really worried that one of our vultures would ask us what happened and you didn't pass. Um, huh. But I'm glad that that day never had to come. So congratulations, Sam. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I know, Esquire. I'm, a, I'm officially so an show attorney. Him some love. It's crazy. If you guys are still listening, reach out to him. Show him some love. If you need an attorney, hit him up. Ooh. If you're in the state you're of California. LA, if you're in the state of California, state of California yeah. I can help you out. But yeah. um, if, if not, maybe I can point you in the right direction. <laughs> I'm, I don't come cheap, though. though right? I don't, I I don't come cheap. I don't come cheap. <laughs> I'll say that yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, Thank true. you, guys. But um, yeah, so uh, anyways, until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.